Hey, it's Beth here. Episode 341. I've I've been gone for like five days because I've been thinking about oh, I'm not sleeping well. And when I don't sleep well, I wake up at 4 a.m. And um, F. Scott Fitzgerald said of his wife, Zelda, that for Zelda, every hour was 4 a.m., which means Zelda was insane. I, I understand that. 4 a.m. is the worst. So I woke, I woke up the other night and I thought about something I got really wrong. And it was the Barton Mushi affair. This, okay, the picture, it tells the whole story. Mushi, that cat, conveyed with our house, if you can believe it. This man named Jurgen, who was so handsome and so mean, he was like Jeremy Irons with him. Jeremy Irons with hemorrhoids. That was his personality. So that beautiful face always squinched up. And he wanted the cat to convey. He didn't give us one break on all the things that were wrong with the house, but I loved the house. But he said the cat conveyed, and we were like, how could that be true, Jurgen? He said, this is Mushi's home. Mushi loves this home. You keep Mushi, fine. You don't keep Mushi, I kill Mushi. We were like, oh my God. First of all, you shouldn't say that. I mean, especially with the German accent, it's not fair. So many lovely German people, and here you are in Texas, behaving in such a way that is just awful. We hated him, but we took his cat. The sad thing is I had my own cat named Rocker. Mushi kind of pushed Rocker out of the home. Rocker landed across the street with some very rich people who flew her on a private jet to Durango in the summer because she got hot to their summer home. Rocker never looked back. In fact, I used to take care of her when they were out of town. I would feed her and she would hide from me like, don't even think about dragging me back to that life I had. But it started the rumor around my neighborhood that I was a bad mom because my cat ran away. You know, t t tons of things were going wrong. Mushi was ugh, trouble. She'd bite my foot every night in the middle of the night and wake me up. She was just, she had a, a badness about her. We had a dog named Ben and they didn't get along, but they kind of formed sort of a peace. When Ben died, which was horrible, I mean, absolutely horrible. We, Kit was in Japan. The landscapers, um, we took him to the vet and Matt, who was like six, wanted us to bring Ben home instead of having him cremated. I didn't know what to do. We come home, thank God the landscapers were there. And they took the extra time it took to dig a hole. They said prayers in Spanish. It was, it was really lovely, but Ben was gone. I mean, it still makes me sad. It still makes all of us sad. So we got a new puppy, and that was Bart. And I wanted a telegenic, sweet, easygoing dog because Ben really wanted to, to be a goat herding dog. He wanted a job and he would play volleyball with the kids in the pool. He, would, he did everything, but it wasn't enough work. When they went to work, when they went to school, he'd be bored out of his mind. He really was one of those hardworking dogs. So. Anyway, I wanted just a movie star border collie. 
somebody who'd understand that this is the life of Riley. And Bart was exactly that. He was such an easy dog. He trained himself. He did everything. He, there was nothing I had to do. I didn't have to teach him anything. All the neighbors loved him. We had an, we had, we lived in a no leash little community. So all the dogs got to know each other and Bart never got in any trouble. He was unbelievable. When Kit ran for city council, people said, just put a picture of Bart up. He would go down to the preschool, the church preschool at lunchtime, play with the kids. He waited for the buses to come every afternoon. He had two girlfriends slip out at night, go visit the girls. He never pooped in the yard. He pooped down the hill. We had a hill, a little wrought iron fence. He'd just go through it, go down the hill. Never gave me a moment's trouble. The thing was, Mushi and he formed this complete union which I thought was amazing. But when Bart came, Mushi got a little panic-stricken or something, and she started bringing me presents in the afternoon, like horrible presents, like dead chameleons and, um, I mean, it's just horrible. Birds, everything. I couldn't stand it. I'd be crying every afternoon. Bart was riveted by all this drama that Mushi was causing. He worshipped her. And so one day I come home and Bart's about seven months old now, maybe eight months old, and they're both silent. And that is a bad sign. That means something's broken, something happened. And they slowly walk me to the staircase that goes upstairs. There on the staircase was a hindquarter of a deer. I really can't remember what happened next. I just know that my neighbor called me, Geraldine called me and she said, what did you do? Don't tell me you killed Kit. I told you not to kill him. She said, I said, no, 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 no. I don't know what happened. She goes, Beth, the screaming was horrible. I was holding two towels. What, what I done was I threw the deer over the back fence. I must have thrown it three miles. I could never find it. And the screams, other neighbors were talking about the screams. Somebody almost called the police. So I must have been in a fugue state, uh, a psychological break. I've looked this up. There are terms for people who lose their minds. And like, I think my adrenaline was rushing for three more days. I think I threw that deer a mile because I never saw I, I wanted to to fix it to you know show people to bury it or whatever could never find it so the good thing is that was the very last time either one of these animals ever left something as a gift for me on the back stoop or God forbid on the staircase their relationship went on and on they would talk they would play they were criminals in cahoots twice this happened twice that's how stupid I am the first time it was a pork loin and it was on a platter and it was it was gonna be dinner time but I was doing I had to leave the room something else happened I come back the pork loin is gone and the white platter is clean I swear I thought 
I was losing my mind. I really, I, I guess I knew what happened and just it was too busy to even think about it very much. I thought I fixed the problem by moving the platter back. I thought it was Bart. And so I moved the platter back on the, on the, you know, the counter. Okay, problem solved, right? Next time it happens, it's a tenderloin. And it's about four pounds. So it cost a fortune. I cooked it perfectly because it's so easy to cook perfectly. Look it up. Ina does it. Everybody does it. That's why I love this because you can't really screw it up. Had it on the counter. Push back. Leave the room for three minutes. Come back. And it's gone. Like 15 minutes before these people are showing up. It's gone. And the platter is lit clean. So what was happening was Mushi would push over the platter. Bart would grab the tenderloin. Mushi would lick up all of the splatter on the platter and on the counter and meet him out in the backyard. And they would eat whatever it was. So after that, I had to put whatever it was in the sink because they couldn't quite figure that one out. Just, I thought they were two peas in a pod. The games they would play in the backyard were hysterical. Very often, you know, she'd chase and Bart would, um, she would jump up on the fence and Bart would run into the fence. And I thought they were laughing. I thought they were having a ball. They would visit with each other. They also had this other crime of the century, which was sleepovers. And sleepovers were, Bart had an addiction and it was potato chips. And so there would be sleepovers and there would be food and kids would fall asleep at three o'clock in the morning, passed out. And all the debris would be missing. And what happened was they would take these things down the hill because I found them. They had like a pile. It was a spot, like a snack bar. And they took all the plastic, all the, you know, potato chip bags and all these things down the hill. And I guess Mushi would look the salt and Bart would eat all the potato chips. And I just thought these kids hadn't done anything. I thought they were wonderful. <laughs> all of their... Every, what, the, the crime of the century because the kids were thrilled, the animals were thrilled, and I was thrilled because the house was clean. So I, I really thought these two were just the most amazing things in the world. And we had to get a vet that would come to the house because Mushi would not get in the car. And when Mushi wasn't going to do something, Mushi didn't do, do it. So Mike Mullen became our vet. He would arrive in his white van with a cowboy hat, long hair. He was like the hippy-dippy um, veterinarian. And he was wonderful. He loved blues. This is this kind of big, sweet-looking dog. It looks like a cartoon dog, like Scooby-Doo. Looks like blue, like a blue. And he had one, in, and her name was Blueese. And Blueese would help him keep the dogs calm while he was doing all that he had to do. Mushi didn't like Blueese. So Bluey's always came into every house, no matter how bad the dogs were. She took one look at Mushi and went right back in the truck. Mushi had a power about her, an alpha dog power. Everyone just, just marched to her tune. So, and Bart was kind of pleased. I mean, 
he was happy to have a friend like this. And he was subservient to Mushi their whole lives. One thing he did for me, though, Bart, he kept Mushi from coming into the bedroom at 4 a.m. and biting my toe. I saw him do it one night. Kit was out of town, so I was on his side of the bed and I was watching. And he just implored her. He didn't say a word. He just kind of gently blocked her from coming in. So they had this amazing relationship. I told everybody about it. Mike figured that when we got Mushi, she was already about 10 or 11. So now she's 19 or 20, he thinks, by looking at her teeth, which I can't believe he would do that. But anyway, that's why he got paid the big bucks. Mushi got sick. And so Herculean efforts keeping this cat alive, a kidney problem, some other problem, he was visiting all the time. And I was frantic to keep Mushi happy and healthy. Finally, he sits me down in the, my living room on my couch. And then he sits next to me, says, Beth, I have to talk to you. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this? It's like I'm in like the principal's office. He grabs my hand and he looks in my eyes. I'm like, oh no, Mike, what is happening? What is happening? What have you heard about me? It's not true. Because Beth, um, Mushi's, Mushi's near the end. She's at the end. I'm like, no, no, no. We can save her. Mike, we can save her, please. Because we have to do this. He said, Beth, you don't even like Mushi. I said, that's not the point. That's not the point. Nobody likes Mushi. Nobody has ever liked Mushi. He said, that's true because I don't even like Mushi. I like the way she lets me take care of her. She's very professional about it. She lets me do everything I want to do, knowing it's good for her. But I don't like her. He says, Beth, why? Why are you keeping her alive? She doesn't want this. And I started to cry, which is the last thing I ever want to do, ever, ever, ever. He goes, what is it? And I said, Bart's gonna die if Mushi's gone. Bart'll go in a deep depression. He loves Mushi so much. He grabbed my hands hard, shook me, made me look in his eyes. And he said, Beth, Bart hates Mushi. I was like flabbergasted, like he said, I can fly or, uh, or just, there was no place for me to put that in my head. I thought Bart adored Mushi. But then I relived every one of those games they played outside. And Mushi would run towards the fence, jump up, and Bart would go careening into the fence. And, you, and the fence would wobble. Like every single game they played, it was really Mushi playing a trick on him. But I didn't believe it. I was like, I sort of can see it now. You know, but, I, but I'm so scared that Bart is going to just lose it and die of a broken heart. He goes, Beth, that's not going to happen. He said, really? She, she's upstairs. She's waiting for me in the bathroom. She wants me to let her go. I was frantic. I got this amazing shawl that I bought in Italy that was gorgeous. And it, I mean, it had gold on it for him to wrap Mushi in. I was sitting there 
Bart came in the room like, what's going on? He was worried. He sits next to me. We watch Mike go up the stairs. I was wanted to scream, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Bart's sitting right next to me. Just five minutes later, he comes down the stairs with Mushi wrapped in this beautiful shroud. And I look over at Bart. He didn't care. He didn't care. It's like he looked at his watch and he's like, what's next? <laughs> looks at me. He's like, I told you. Bart never looked back. Never cared. Didn't look over at her her food bowl where he used to give her, she used to give him some cat food sometimes for fun. He didn't ever look sad, worried, or upset. I was fooled. Just another one in my list of things where I was fooled. I was wrong. I was wrong. Labored for years under this false premise. Gave my life to keeping Mushi happy so Bart would be happy. It was like a bad marriage and I didn't see it. Just woke up in the middle of the night going, do you believe all the energy you put into that? all the time, all the effort. She was sick for two years. I took care of her like wet nursed her for two years for this dog that didn't care. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Mike puts Mushi in the car, comes inside. Bart's smiling. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, he's smiling. Mike goes, yeah. I said, how did you know? He goes, Beth, I've been a vet for 30 years. He never liked Mushi, not for one moment. I was like, wow, just absolutely amazing how wrong you can be. Just blows my mind that I absolutely never saw it, saw the opposite. So if you wake up at 4 a.m. and you start thinking about the things you did wrong, just think about that cat. Just think about what I went through. It's gotta be, it's gotta be better than what I did for a cat. Anyway, just wanna, if you're losing your marbles at 4 a.m., I want you to stay sane. I just wanted to tell you this ridiculous story. And when I say I put my heart and soul into keeping Mushi happy and alive, I am not kidding, not kidding at all. And Bard hated Mushi just you look back and you can see it you can see it all you just take those rose-colored glasses off or those blinders and you can see what a jerk I was wow it's mind-blowing but at 4 a.m. sometimes I just can't handle it I could have been doing other things I was singing to the cat Jeez, two years, two years of my life. So anyway, to stay sane, we just have to forgive ourselves for being stupid, for doing what we ever did. I mean, I've got other stories and they are doozies and they're about kids and I get that, you know, but I did this for a cat that never even liked me. So anyway, just want to make you feel better and stay sane and try to sleep through 4 a.m. and I will be back. Bye-bye.